0: Our next guest in the Honky Tonk Time Machine has charted over 30 singles on the country billboard chart throughout a career that has spanned over 30 years, and that also includes three number ones and several more top 10 hits. I'm talking about Aaron Tippen. Aaron, it's great to have you on. Welcome to the Honky Tonk Time Machine.
1: Hey, brother. Glad to be here, Glenn. Thanks for having me on.
0: Hey, it's a thrill for me just to get to talk to you. I talked to your buddy, Sammy Kershaw, just a couple of weeks ago. And I know you were just in our neck of the woods, uh, last summer. You were at the Sykeston JC Boot Hill Rodeo. Sammy was with you for that. And so was, uh, Colin Ray. So I know you're pretty familiar with our neck of the woods here.
1: Hey, man. You know, I'll tell you, Missouri's been mighty good, though, Aaron Tippin, buddy. We've been a many, many shows all over this state. So I'm telling you, man, I'm, 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 proud as I can be every time I get to go that way. And I've done a little turkey hunting over there too and and good friends with Alex Rutledge and uh, a lot of those boys over it like to get in the outdoors and so man i I, I love Missouri and I'm thankful that Missouri loves aware.
0: Very cool. For those who don't know, Alex Rutledge is a pretty famous turkey hunter from uh Birch Tree, Missouri, I think it is. But yeah, Sammy was saying the same thing though. I mean he was saying uh, you guys had a good time at the rodeo and Missouri treated you well, and he, he really had good things to say about you, too, believe it or not.
1: Well, I, I paid him all I could. Did you? <laughs>
0: <laughs> but yeah, mostly good stuff. He didn't give me any dirt, but I know you guys go back a ways. Uh, you recorded that album all in the same boat a few years ago.
1: Oh, we did. We've been running together. Shoot, man. We're coming up probably on close to uh, maybe eight years running this Roots and Boots tour, and it's been me and Sammy from the get-go, and... You know, sadly enough, uh, Joe was kind of the started off with us. Uh, Joe Diffie's um, passed away. So that's how it started. But, you know, we got Colin Ray now, and Colin's out there. And, buddy, just like Joe, just a crooner and such a great singer. I mean, we and Sammy, we just sit there and shake our head every (laughs) time and just listen to that guy sing.
0: Well, I was going to ask you about that because uh, you're all good singers. Um, Your voice and Colin's voice, though, completely different. You've kind of got that rough and and gritty voice that people like he's got that like you know pure singers type voice and i don't mean that as a knock on you but certainly different styles
1: absolutely he is a crooner that's what i call a crooner and buddy you know there's only a few in the business joe Dippy was a crooner yeah um uh shoot ronnie dunn he's a crooner i mean these guys are fantastic singers you know and and there's a few more out there like that but you know the rest of us are as sammy says we're kind of stylish we got, a, we got a way of uh, a, a different voices. And, but, you know, I think that's been our feature for me and him both as we're recognized immediately once we open our mouth. <laughs> <laughs> when I picked
0: up the phone, I heard your voice. I was like, yep, that's Aaron Tippin. Speaking of Joe, you know, uh, I just wanted to kind of get your thoughts on him. I know you were, you were good buddies with him, and I didn't know if you maybe had any good stories or any, anything to share on, on his past.
1: You know, I can, I can tell you, uh, me and Joe kind of started out the business at the same time. Uh, By the time he got to town and and I did, and we were both working on trying to get a record career, we ended up you know in the same publishing company or two different publishing companies in the same building, so I saw Joe you know every morning we talked about songs we were writing and and uh and i and i I kind of credit Joe you know for being the reason why i've got a record deal is uh you know he was uh, he was such a desired demo singer that um, he had a heck of a business before he got his record deal, just doing demos in town. And, uh, you know, the truth is uh, um, I couldn't afford Joe. Joe was $30 a song, and I didn't have an extra $30 in those days. So I had to sing my own demos. And lo and behold, RCA Records said, well, who's that hillbilly? And that's how I ended up. Getting a record deal. So thanks to Joe not singing my demos, I ended up getting a, getting a job.
0: Well, yeah, it all worked out. You signed with RCA, I guess there. <laughs> it, it was 1990 when you signed with them, right?
1: That's correct. You know, and, and, uh, and she then came, uh, my first single, You Got a Stamp or Something. That got me on the Bob Hope Show, yeah. Christmas of 1990. And, you know, I was so thrilled to be on his show. And I, I, that, you know, something, uh, I couldn't have bought my way onto that show. It was just one of those things where the luckiest hillbilly in the world got another break, and that's kind of where it started. And, and that's the career I've lived, man. I've been the luckiest hillbilly singer ever. I've just, good things happened to me, and I've been blessed.
0: Did the Bob Hope show, is that what kind of started your love for performing for the troops, or was that something that you always had and always aspired to do?
1: Oh, you know, that's where it started. I mean,. You know, growing up as a kid uh, during the Vietnam War, I saw our our, uh, Vietnam vets come home to a very sad welcome. And, uh, you know, after I went over there and entertained our troops for Bob Hope, I said, you know what, I said, I'm going to build me a soapbox, and I'm going to get on it, and I'm going to start crowing their names and and glorify them as much as I can for the sacrifices they they give us. And, you know, I've done it ever since, and I'm going to continue to do it until – um, they ain't no more antipid.
0: And, and I want to talk more about that, but I'm going to revisit that when we talk about uh, Where the Stars Stripes and Eagle Fly here in just a little bit. But you mentioned um, you got to stand for something. I know you, you co-wrote that song yourself, and that was the song that kind of started you all. So because you wrote it, did that come from like a personal place for you? Was that like kind of real life for you?
1: Absolutely. Uh, you know, I wrote that with my good friend Buddy Brock. Buddy Brock's super songwriter, man. He's wrote all kinds of hits for a lot of different people. And me and him grew up together in South Carolina. So when it came time to be in the music business, I, I, I finally packed my stuff and jumped my old Toyota Corolla and uh, drove up here to Nashville and started, you know, writing songs. And, and uh, like a couple of years later, uh, I talked Buddy into coming on up and being a part of it. And meanwhile, we were already writing because I would go home every other weekend to visit my daughter. And, uh, and when I do that, me and Buddy would get together and the kids would play and me and Buddy would work on songs. And that song, You Gotta stamp for Something, that's exactly where it came from. A weekend in South Carolina and, and me and Buddy were talking about our dads and how much we thought of them. And Buddy is actually the one that said, Well, you know, my dad always said, You gotta stamp for something, you'll fall for anything. And I said, I think that's a hit, and we wrote it, and boy, it was a big record for me.
0: Every once in a while, you strike gold with a certain turn of phrase or just something off the cuff like that, and that's something that has stuck with me throughout my life. I mean, I'd use that as a quote, always giving you credit, of course, but that's got to be one of the most quoted songs of all time, wouldn't you say?
1: Well, thanks, man, and it's, uh, it's I hear that a lot. As a matter of fact, I was talking to the guy we're building a new hangar down here at the airport in sparta um and uh tennessee and um the guy that paved my parking lot he, he was telling me you know he said man aaron that's all meant the world to me so when i first got in this business he said i was a little wishy washy he said but i realized if i was going to stay in it i was going to have to stand for something and, and so another one of those times when i said man I'm i'm proud of that or somebody tells me that you know, they they played the song at, at their dad's funeral, you know, because that's the type of guy he was. And, you know, so I've, I've had great stories and great memories from that song.
0: And, and backing up before that, you know, that's the song that got you started. But like you said, you were writing songs in Nashville, kind of struggling, and, and you'd almost given up on it uh, before you'd gotten that big break. But you were writing songs for some, some pretty big artists. I understand Charlie Pride and the Kingsman cut some of your music.
1: Sure did. You know, the first cut I ever had in Nashville was a gospel cut. Uh, me and Jerry sadly wrote a song called, uh, Tell Everyone You Know That You Know Jesus. And, uh, he was so excited about that song that they were down in Mississippi doing a concert that weekend and he just jumped in his car and took off down there and he knew all the guys in the band and he just walked in there and said, Hey boys, I got a song I want y'all to hear. And and they listened to it and said, Wow. I said that they said, that's a blessing, uh, Jerry, because it just so happened we're doing an album called Mississippi Live and we want to put it on it. And they recorded it that day. What a what a trip for a hillbilly! I told you I'm the luckiest hillbilly to ever live.
0: <laughs> I'm starting to believe it. Then to clear it up when I saw the Kingsmen. I was thinking the the old rock group that sings Louis Louie, but you're talking about the gospel group, the Kingsmen or the Kingsmen Quartet, which is obviously a big influence on you.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Every Sunday morning, man, it was Naomi and the Seagull Brothers. It was it was uh, the Kingsmen. It was the uh, uh, the Imperials, man. They, the gospel music. Well, played on our TV every Sunday morning while Mama was making me get ready for Sunday school. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, yeah, those guys. And plus, you know, I'm a big fan of Hank Williams Sr. That's really where the core of my music comes from, hmm. beginning of my roots.
0: That's one that actually had not been mentioned a lot. I get a lot of Merle Haggards and stuff mentioned like that. But you went a little bit further back, back to the beginning there with Hank. I like that.
1: Hey, Amen. you know, that's a guy to me. He he turned he turned a new face to country music, kind of like Jimmy Rogers, you know, who was the godfather of country music. But they, I think, Hank kind of turned a corner, you know that that had never been that had never been done before, you know. And who knows what it would have been if he could have lived. I mean, it was just sad and crazy that that he left us so soon. But you know, I I gained a lot from Hank. A lot of my songwriting and and a lot of a lot of my voice i just love that country blues yodel which you know eventually led me to write uh uh, my blue angel
0: oh that is very prevalent in that song for sure uh before that i wanted to back up to your first number one uh there ain't nothing wrong with the radio you talk about a perfect country song
1: and and a perfect country song for radio i mean that was it right oh man was i thankful for that one you know and hallelujah finally got me a number one record you know i'd had a lot of releases for that but that's the first number one i got they got up close to top of the charts but never that number one spot so that was my first one and man was i thrilled with that man and you know wrote it about my old car daisy that's once again me and buddy brock one day we were finishing up a song and i said buddy i got this cool idea there's this guy and he's got this new girlfriend and he's he's Puts her in the truck and they're going. They're going out on a date and she keeps punching the buttons on the radio station, and he's saying, "Hey, leave that alone. There ain't nothing wrong with that radio." And and Buddy said, "We're not writing this about some guy you made up in your head." He said, "We're going to write about it. Your old dilapidated car, Daisy." He said, "Because the only thing on that car that works is the radio."
0: <laughs> I loved it. It was such a great take and different from what we were hearing, you know, at the time. So. It was it was awesome. So that's the first number one. You you were kind of known for making these kind of rough and tough songs. You know you've got that muscular build and and you were coming off as this you know rough and tough guy. And then in 1995, I think my favorite song of yours comes out. That's as close as I'll get to loving you. And that's a song that kind of showed a different side of you a little
1: bit. And I think that's why I liked it so much. Absolutely, and that's a big hit for me. I, I have to say, wished I did have wished I would have wrote it, but I did not write that one. And, uh, and, but boy, it was a smash for me. I mean, once again, number one record and, and boy, they were few and far between for me. So it sure was nice to have that one.
0: Was that a song that you hesitated to record because of that softer image? Or is that something you were looking forward to kind of showing to
1: everybody? Well, you know, actually I did have some resistance to that song because, uh, you know, I was, uh, you got a stamp for something guy, and this is all about some guy less after another guy's wife. So, <laughs> so, you know, I was reluctant to do it, but. You know, I've never had one single fan that thought that the same way. They just thought it was a, a different side of Aaron Tiffin and a great performance that they enjoyed. And that's all I've ever heard at it. So, you know, I, 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 one, at one time I, I just I overthanked it.
0: <laughs> well, sometimes it's better not to think. That's always my policy. But, no, I never really looked at it that way. But I can see how you would think that, especially coming from your perspective and wondering how fans are going to receive it. But I always kind of respected the guy in the song for not acting on what he wanted so badly because she was with another man. So that's kind of the way I took it.
1: Well, I appreciate that.